are some things that I don't understand. Some things I can't come to grip with. Sometimes I just look out in the world and think, why? Why me, God? Why this situation? Why them, Lord? Why this tribulation? down on my luck for a while. I mean, I don't even have an ace in the deck. Just empty hands with no patience that's left. I'm lost in the desert, no oasis. I guess I'm hung out to dry. Lips chapped, feet hurt in this weather. I thirst and I march on, hoping to find an answer. Just an inkling of faith in this world full of cancer would be a refreshing drip of water on the tip of my tongue. The fresh, cool breeze of Jehovah's lungs is exactly what I need. But that feels so far away. I mean, God, are you really with me? Do you really care? When I cry in distress, are you really there? Your word says yes, but sometimes I doubt it. But clearly my own path needs rerouting. Because every time I walk my own way, I get lost, and even though I'm lost in the desert, I now realize he created it. He knows where the water is. He made the sun. His creation is marvelous, and he is in control even when I fail. He is faithful even when I fall. He is what I need even when I doubt. He is fresh water in the midst of the drought. He is God and He is King. He is Lord and gives life to all things. He gives and takes away and sometimes I just need to trust that He knows exactly what He is doing. When I am asleep, He is moving. When I fall, He is choosing to pick me back up with outstretched arms. Nothing that anyone does can separate me from His love because He is faithful. He is true. so glad you're with us. And I, I love this video. And, and as I was preparing my message, and I, I was looking for a bumper video, and I saw this. I'm like, man, this fits in so perfectly with the last couple of weeks. We've been looking at the wilderness. And, and when you find yourself in the wilderness and what to do, and first we saw Elijah and how he was in the wilderness. And, and one time was because God led him there, and another time because he was, you know, just running away. And and then we saw last week Jesus was in the wilderness and, and how God, the Holy Spirit, led him into the wilderness. And we've been kind of focusing on what to do in the wilderness and when you find yourself in the dry place. And I love, I love that video and how it shows the ground is all cracked up and it's all dry and desperate. And then I love the fact the time lapse where the, the rain comes in and you can just see it just just coming and just, just shattering down. And I just really, really love that. And it really ties in perfectly with this morning. And if you haven't heard the past couple of messages, as Michael was saying earlier, you can go listen to them on our app. You can go to iTunes. We have podcasts. It's a million different ways you can see it. You can watch the videos as well. So we'd love for you to catch up with that if you haven't. But this morning, I'm going to take the next step. It's not really a series, but the next step in this. And I want to talk to you about three words. Your perception, your perspective, and your focus. 
Your perception, your perspective, and your focus. So this morning, I want to suggest to you a few things. Number one, I want to suggest to you that your perception is how you view your circumstances. So when something happens to you, it is happening. It's real. It's there. It's not fake. It's not make-believe. It's not something in your mind. But it is actual literal stuff. But how you perceive it is your perception. But your circumstances don't define you. Your perspective, however, does. So your perception is how you see everything that's happening. And those circumstances that you find yourself in don't define you, but your perspective does. One of the greatest stories to to look at someone who's had this whole thing and this whole process, probably one of the best analogies we could give of anyone is Joseph in the Old Testament. So if you open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 37, and we're just going to jump around here a little bit. We're going to start with verse 18. But Joseph is the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now he's the next one in the succession. And God had this great plan for his life. And God was revealing it to him, revealing it in a dream, in fact. And he was so excited about what God was calling him to do, what God's plan was for his life, that he's telling everybody, all to the point of never stopping up, never stopping, never shutting up. It just constantly, God's going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and God says, I'm going to do this. And it became so annoying to his brothers and his family. They couldn't stand it anymore. Legitimately, God had called him. Legitimately, God had a great plan for him. Verse 18. But when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized it was him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. So here they are out without Joseph, and they're out in the wilderness, they're out in the desert, they're out wherever, and all of a sudden they see him like, oh no, here he comes, man. We had some peace and quiet. Now we're going to hear about this plan that God's got for him. Oh, and there's that coat that our dad made for him. Oh, I'm so sick of this. If we just kill him, we'll get over this really quickly. So one of the brothers spoke up, and he said, hey, let's not kill him, but let's sell him. Let's do some human trafficking here and let's sell him into slavery. Verse 28. So as these people approached and they came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the pit that they had him in and they sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver and the traders took him to Egypt. So Joseph has this great plan from God for his life and all of a sudden... People aren't excited about that plan, and they are so tired of hearing about it, they make plans to kill him, and then ultimately just sell him for some money into slavery. Chapter 39, verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, and Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He was purchased See, slavery, human trafficking, that's nothing new. That's not something that's just a buzzword, even though it's really popular in in the debates of everything now. But this has been going on forever. But here, he wasn't necessarily born into slavery. He was born with this great plan for his life. And, And 
his brothers got so fed up with him that they sold him. So can you imagine Joseph is there and he's just excited about seeing his brothers and he's just like so excited about the plan of God on his life and he's just so, he's got it going on and then they grab a hold of him. He's like, what are you doing? Can't you see him fighting them and kicking them? Like, no, I'm not going with those guys. No, you can't sell me as a slave. No, you can't change. I mean, you're, you're changing my life. Are you kidding me? No, I'm fighting and fighting and then putting the chains on him and then dragging away. Can you imagine that moment? He's dragging away from his brothers in chains because they sold him. Probably saw him get the money. Talk about betrayal. Then he was purchased by Potiphar. Now, I don't know about you, but when God gives this great plan for your life and your dad really recognizes it with it, and man, he's like making this great coat of many colors, man. You're just showing it off, man. You just got it all going on. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in chains and you find yourself in slavery and in another country and in all these... You don't have any choices that you can make for yourself now. Somebody else is making all of your choices. That's not very good situation to be in. His perception, how he saw his life, was pretty dismal. Verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was so good, and the anointing of God was on him so much, that he was able to rise from the bottom of being this new slave that was just bought now to where he's running the entire domain for Potiphar. The only thing Potiphar had to think about was what he's going to have for dinner. Now, I don't know about you, but that, if you're running this big thing and he's like really high up in the government and, and Joseph's got this all going on that the only thing you have to worry about is when you wake up is what you're going to eat. Well, that's kind of how I am. And when I wake up, I'm starting to think about what I'm going to have for lunch. And then after lunch, I, I start focusing on what I'm going to have for dinner. And, and, but this was all that Potiphar had to worry about. It goes on and says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him with lust. She came to him and said, come and sleep with me. And she demanded it. And if you know the story, she was not just saying that once. It was persisting. And she kept trying and trying and trying. And here, he's got this collagen on his life. His brothers rejected him. They betrayed him. They sold him into slavery. And now he's there. He's sold his slavery. He's risen to the top. And now his master's wife is trying to get him to make this immoral act. And so she's trying to pull him this way. And he's like, no, I can't do this. And his, his God is so big in him. His relationship with God is so big. He's like, no, I can't do this. And she kept trying, kept trying. What ultimately happened is she cornered him one night, one day, and then she grabbed a hold of him. And he's like, no. And as he ran to flee youthful lust, as he did the things he's supposed to do, she ripped the clothes off him. And he ran out of there naked. And she was a scorned woman left holding his clothes. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can look at people in a classification and we tend to put them in a group. So here, Joseph is a slave. His, his talents and his abilities have, has, have made him rise up to this great place of running everything for Potiphar. 
But in the back of Potiphar's mind, I bought him. I paid some money for him, and it was a pretty good investment, but he's one of them, slaves. He's one of them, in quotation marks. So now when Potiphar's wife's standing there holding his clothes, she's got to save face. After all, she is Potiphar's wife. So she tells a story to Potiphar. A lie. And who are you going to believe? Your wife? Or that guy who's one of those slaves? You know, I always wondered about you. I, you know, I always thought you're one of them. Verse 19, and Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story and how Joseph had treated her. And so he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So here Joseph is. God gave him this great dream, this great plan, and all this wonderful stuff. And he's all excited about everything going on. And then his brother's selling him in slavery. He's carted off in chains. He's like, hey, guys, what's going on? No, 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 fighting them off. Now he's there, and everything's starting to look better for him. And then all of a sudden, this situation happens, and now he's in the worst place of all. He remained. Verse 23. But the warden now had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Now, I highlighted that on purpose because, you see, God wasn't up in heaven going, man, Joseph, I got this great plan for you. Here's what it is. Man, that's great. Wait, your brothers aren't happy with that? Wait, they threw him in a pit? Wait, wait, he's being sold. Oh, God, angels, come on, get over here. How are we going to solve this? How are we going to fix this? God isn't up there wringing his hands over this whole situation. And then he goes into Potiphar's house, and God's blessing him. And he's rising to the top. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife does this horrible thing and, and lies and tells all this unfair treatment against him. And God's not up there going, oh, no, what happened? I didn't see this coming. God is like, in the midst of every single situation, God's like, you're going to rise to the top. And he's going to cause everything to succeed because God was with him. Now, if there was ever anyone in the history of the world who was misunderstood, unfairly treated, discriminated against, you're one of them. It's Joseph. He holds the record of anybody that I can think of that has gone through all this terrible stuff. He's just a teenage boy with a dream. So much that his brothers betrayed him, wanted to kill him, betrayed him, sold him. Then he goes and he's rising to the top. He's still a slave, but he's rising to the top. And then his Master's wife does this terrible thing. And, and here he goes, and he, he's like, can I catch a break? See, the perception is the awareness 
of your situation. For Joseph, it was all of a sudden I went from walking to see my brothers to my perception of my situation as I'm in a pit. My perception is now I'm chained and I'm fighting and I'm being led off into slavery. My perception is I'm now a slave. My perception is they lied against me. They said all these terrible things. My perception is I'm now in prison. See, perception is your awareness of your situation. When you say, hey, this is really what's going on. This is where I I take an assessment of what's going on in my life and say, this is really what's going on. But it's easily clouded by the way you're brought up. You can say, well, this is just how it is the way we are. Well, this is the way it was for mama, and this is the way daddy, and and this is what this was, and this is the way it's going to be for me. You know, granddaddy did this, and mama did this, daddy did this, I'm going to do this, my kid's going to do this. This is the way it's always going to be. It can be shaped, can be viewed by the way you're brought up. You'll never amount to nothing. You're nobody. You're stupid. You're an idiot. Many, many different things. But can I tell you that perception is an emotion of the wrong that was done to you. Perception is an emotion. But perspective is the decision you make in the midst of being wronged. See, perception is, hey, this is what's really going on. I look to the left, to the right, and people are really being bad to me. Joseph can say, man, my perception is my brothers wanted to kill me. They sold me as a slave. Potiphar's wife lied about me and, and all this stuff. See, but then his perspective is the decision that he makes in the middle of being wrong. What decision are you going to make when you're in the middle of being wrong? But you see, perception is kept by your focus. Three words. Perception, perspective, and focus. You can't change your perception. The stuff that's happening to you, it is what it is. But your perspective, you can change. And you change it by your focus. What are you looking at? What are you focusing on? What is that focus for you? Because if you only focus on the wrong that's being done to you, all the emotion of the wrong, oh, oh, it's me. This is just terrible. Uh, You know, this is just, uh, I'm the victim. This is really bad. This always happens. Why does this always happen to me? Uh, If that's your focus... Your perspective is going to stay in the middle of your perception, and it's all going to be downhill from here. Because if I look at Joseph's life, it was starting to go really good, and then all of a sudden it went downhill. Started to go uphill a little bit, and then it went really downhill. So Joseph's perspective is, oh my gosh. His perception, I mean. But his perspective is so amazing. Joseph didn't have church to go to. He didn't have a small group that he could go join and say, okay, Joseph, we're going to pray for you because this week we know you had a tough week. Joseph, we know that you're going to be moved to prison and we're going to send you some notes. We're going to write the epistles for you and we're going to do this stuff. We're going to keep you all right. You're going to do it. Joseph, God's got you and we're praying for you. No, he had nobody. 
Was Joseph a victim? Yes. Was his prison situation terrible? Yes. Was he unjustly treated? Yes. That's all his perception. That's all the reality of what's going on. But what made Joseph's story so amazing is his perspective and his focus was on the God that he served. What we see in history, in his story, is his focus on God kept his heart guarded and his perspective right. So that God could say, because of the relationship with God, everything he did succeeded. See, the succeeding wasn't dependent upon what was really going on around him. The succeeding was because of his relationship with God and his perspective stayed on God, not on what is so easily there, the emotion of, oh my gosh, this is happening to me. Can I remind you that our goal as a church, my goal as a pastor, isn't to solve all your problems. If I could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with you, and every little thing that happens, you know, you come and say, okay, what do I do with this? Okay, well, now do this. It's impossible to do that with anybody. But imagine if I did that tomorrow, next week, there'd be another problem. There's always going to be problems. But my whole goal, my ultimate goal for you is to experience this relationship with God like Joseph had. That it doesn't matter what your perception is. It doesn't matter what's coming against you. That you say, God, I'm focusing on you. I'm not focusing on what's happening around me. See, that's what Joseph had. He knew who God was. In the New Testament, Jesus is talking in Matthew 25, verse 34. He said, then the king will say to those, he's talking about in the future, on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And just as a side note, I love that, that the kingdom that God has prepared was created, was there before creation. His plans for you is wonderful. I could go there, but I'm not. Verse 34, 35, excuse me. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. And I was naked and you gave me clothing. And I was sick, literally weak or feeble. And you cared for me, and I was in prison, and you visited me. And the the righteous ones looked at him and said, God, Lord, when did we ever see you naked and hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? God, I I, I, I don't remember that. Do you remember remember seeing Jesus in prison? Hey, did did you ever see Jesus sick and we took him some soup? Because, verse 40, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. So now, we know Amber is in prison right now. Now, just being completely honest and vulnerable and just like raw, she's not there because she's unjustly accused fact, as we said in the courtroom, the judge says, you deserve way more than what you're getting. She's paying for her consequences. She's paying for her choices. The interesting thing in the scripture is when you did it to one of the least. So if, if they're in prison and they're the least, huh, 
They're probably really bad. They probably really deserve to be there. They probably did really unthinkable things. And Jesus says, and when you did it to the worst of the worst, as if you're doing it to me. Even in here, you see the love of God that says, I don't care all the mistakes that you made. I don't care how bad you messed up your life. I love you. So when we go visit Amber, I hope you guys take the opportunity to take those forms and fill it out and get approved to be on the list. Because I can't imagine being in prison. I can't imagine being in this room where everything looks the same day in and day out. For 24 hours, it's all there. She gets one hour to be out in the sunlight. I can't imagine to be in that kind of a situation like Joseph was in that situation. That Monday looks like, Tuesday looks like, Wednesday looks like. You don't even know. And many times in prison, they'll, they'll scratch lines on the, on the wall so they keep track of where, what day it is and when, how long they've been there and all these things. But all of a sudden, to have somebody from church show up, even somebody you don't even really know that well, and like, I'm just so glad to see a happy face. Even if you don't know what to say, just say, hey, I just want to say Hi. It says, when you visited me in prison, it says, when you gave me all the answers to my problems, when you just were there. When we give money to help Amber with her, with her um, commissary and to buy her food and to get her toilet paper and, and toothpaste and, and toothbrushes and all the little things, whatever it is that they buy with their commissary stuff. When we do that, and all of a sudden she sees there's more money in her commissary account. Jesus is like, you're doing that to me. It's not whether or not Amber deserves it. It's not whether every one of these, the least of these, the worst of the worst, you're doing it to me. Because, you know, that's the actual person in prison. That's the actual physical prison that there is. But can I tell you that there's a loneliness of being in prison that's similar to the loneliness that many people have as prisons that keep them bound up depression generational falling short well this is just the way it's going to be this is just i i don't have any hope to be any better this is just what it's always going to look like and this is the way it's been or rejection joseph was rejected by his very own family abandonment they left him in a pit and then they sold him can you imagine joseph he's 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 taken out in chains he's like hey guys 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 no 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 we can fix this guys guy i mean the abandonment can you imagine when he couldn't see them anymore betrayal you see many of us have loneliness that is all of these things that isn't just physically being in a prison when we visit those people and we say, hey, there is hope for your life. When we say, come to my church and come see what God can do. And I don't know, I don't have the answers, but, but come see what God does. See, even in all of that loneliness, just like Joseph, God is with you. Next week, we're going to look at Acts chapter 16. We're going to see that Paul and Silas were just out doing the work of God. They're just being the right preachers that they're supposed to do, doing what God called them to do, and they got put into prison. And they end up worshiping God in the middle of the prison. Are you kidding me? 
We're going to see next week how terrible their situation was. And they're worshiping God. But you see, when you're in that situation, you have an opportunity. Are you going to have a pity party? Go, oh, they did all this stuff to me, and this happened to me, and I can't believe this. Why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen to me? Or are you going to say, no, I'm not going to let my perception be my focus, but I'm going to worship God. Silas, I feel a worship song coming on. I don't feel that in my body that just got beaten really bad and being in this horrible place. I believe it and I experience it because my perception is not going to hold my perspective. But I'm going to tune it by my focus is in worship. Job had that relationship. He said, though God slayed me, yet I'm going to worship him. The three Hebrew children said, even if God doesn't deliver us, I'm still not going to worship this. I'm going to worship him. David said, well, I once was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You see, trust comes from a relationship, a relationship with God. God is faithful. Can I say that again? God is faithful. He's not moved by the situation that you find yourself in. He wasn't moved by Joseph being in prison. He's not moved by the circumstances of your perception that is there. He's moved by your focus and your perspective calling him into there. But the way it goes is you have a relationship. And that relationship leads into trust. You can never have trust without a relationship. But that relationship goes to trust, and then that leads into perspective. A relationship with God. Knowing God gives you a trust that you can trust in God. Then it sets your perspective, even in the midst of your perception of everything that is real. I'm not talking about stuff that's fake. I'm talking about real People not liking you, real people coming against you, real people being upset with you, trying to take you down, sell you into slavery. Your perception can be superseded by your perspective. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. See, I'm not suggesting that your perception isn't true. I'm not suggesting that it's not accurate. I'm not suggesting that those things bad didn't happen, aren't happening. What I'm saying is there's another level above that, that you can rise far above that, and you can worship in the midst of it all. I love our worship set this morning because it's talking about that. Even in the midst of this, I'm going to worship you. Even in the midst of difficulty, I'm going to worship you. There's another song that says, even when I don't understand, I'm going to give it to you. Father God, I ask you for everyone in the sound of my voice that we learn from Joseph, who legitimately had all these bad things happen to him. People were really out to get him. But he never let his perspective be shaped by his circumstances. 
God, that he focused on you even in 14 years of no one encouraging him. How much greater can we have? We have a church. We have friends. We have family. We have small groups starting. But Lord, we see that it all starts from a relationship. So friend, that relationship is with God. It's with Jesus. And if you've never accepted Jesus in your life, that's the beginning of that relationship that works into trust. It's as simple as saying this prayer with me. It's it's between you and God. But I'm just going to help you with the words. So if that's you for the first time, or maybe it's for a, a, a 500th time, doesn't matter. God is always there looking for you. Simply say this. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. I invite you into my life, my hopes, my future. I surrender it all to you. I lay it at your feet. I come just as I am. I choose to follow you. I trust you to reveal to me my next step and every step after from this day forward the best way I know how I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today I give you my heart. Father I pray for every one of us that we are challenged by this message as I am. The Lord, our perception, those things that are really legitimately going on around us that want to take us down. I have this image in my mind when my kids were younger and they would like all latch onto my legs and I'm trying to walk and it's fun. But it was hard to walk and sometimes there's so much stuff that latches onto us it tries to keep us down. And that's real. But I can focus on you and my perspective Perspective changes. Because my God is bigger than any problem. Lord, thank you for giving us the story of Joseph. As difficult as his life was for those 14 years, he gave us a great glimpse and a great understanding of how we can live a life when everybody's against us, when our family betrays us, when our friends turn their back on us, when people lie and say we did stuff we didn't do, and it lands us in a place that we didn't deserve to be, that I can rise far above that, even in the midst of that, my focus is on you. Father, I give you these words. I give you this time and I ask you to move every life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.